0: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Now that the luster has begun to wear off, I mean, it happened on Saturday afternoon that the news came down about this trade. All of the details have continued to come out. And I understand that they immediately made the Lakers the favorite to win the title. We'll see what else happens in free agency Doesn't seem like there's going to be that much drama. Most likely it appears that Kawhi will stay in Toronto, although we'll see what happens there. I think most likely it's going to be that Durant and Klay Thompson both stay in the Warriors and begin to rehab their injuries. Uh, Who really cares where Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell, those guys end up going because I don't think they really strongly change the trajectory of any team and guarantee a championship. Uh, So I don't think there's really going to be that much movement. I think probably Anthony Davis to the Lakers is going to be the biggest offseason move, and it's already happened. Uh, So let me bring in the crew. Uh, As details have continued to come out, in particular what I think is the biggest detail, which is the Lakers can't afford now another max contract because of the way this deal went down. Do you believe that the Lakers will be able to build a championship team this year around lebron and anthony davis danny g
2: i hope so the whole city here has been smiling since saturday and like you said the newness is going to wear off and going to have to push some pencils and figure out all the numbers and spot up three pointers though that's what the lakers are going to need and obviously you don't need max deals to get guys like that clay so i think they can sign, say, JJ Redick, but let me, Trevor let me let me let me, cut, let me
1: cut you off here yeah. in a second. We'll talk about that. But when this deal initially came down, the immediate response was, "Okay, the Lakers now can go get another max contract guy." Right? That was the initial response before people started putting pen to paper and doing all the math here. And to me, the initial response was wrong, right? Like, now they can't do that. Because the first thing you heard was, oh, maybe Kyrie Irving is going to come back and join the Lakers now. And it seems like yeah. he's going to go somewhere in New York. And then you would have had a really, really strong trio, right? Um, And that was the initial expectation. Now, I think it seems pretty clear that the Lakers were rushed to get this done, that they had to give... I think the Pelicans, everything that the Pelicans wanted, maybe with the exception of Kyle Kuzma, uh, but what the uh, Pelicans ended up getting was a pretty pretty big price for Anthony Davis leaving. And we won't know that full price until we see what these, uh, these later draft picks end up being and who they get for them and everything else. But I think it's going to be harder to build a championship team without at least the possibility of getting that third max contract guy.
2: We'll see about that. I think Kyle Kuzma is being underestimated a little bit because he could develop into that third star for the Lakers. So it's a big exception that they were able to not give him up. And to pat ourselves on the back on this show, since Radio Row in Atlanta, our first reaction when the rumors came down, or not just rumors, but Rich Paul and uh, Clutch let it be known that Anthony Davis wanted that trade – You predicted that they would wait for the Celtics offer the next season, which is now, the off season rather. And I said as long as the Lakers didn't give up Kuzma, it would be a win for them to get Anthony Davis. Because Kuzma is the best youngster that the Lakers had, in a lot of Laker fans' opinions. So here on TV and radio in Los Angeles over the weekend, most Laker fans were celebrating the fact that Kuzma is still on the team. So if he can um, contribute like a third star on a team he's capable of putting up 20 points a game all right so if he's the third guy and they're able to put some nice spot up shooters on that team then they got something they can at least go deep into the playoffs
1: now the talk is that anthony davis is going to re-up but he hasn't done it yet Uh, right well
2: he's going to wait to get that max money next season
1: right but we'll see i mean in theory uh, i mean things could really go awry and Anthony Davis could still be an unrestricted free agent. That would be an incredible move, and the Lakers potentially would then be in an unbelievable position, but that's at least worth putting out there. He's not committed long-term, guaranteed. Uh, When you saw this news, Dub, what was your immediate reaction?
3: Well, it wasn't necessarily surprised because Vegas seemed to have known, and I think I I agree with Danny G. I think it's a win-win for both sides. And another thing on Kuzma, He's not even getting paid $2 million next year, so that's huge for the Lakers in 2019 and 2020 because he was such a a late draft pick.
1: All right, sorry, I cut you off too, Danny G. Who would you sign? Like, who are the shooters that you would sign? Because it is self-evident for anybody out there that the Lakers need some more offensive firepower. And, uh, you know, what they tried to do in year one was surround LeBron and that young Lakers team with a lot of uh, veteran guys who didn't cost necessarily a ton and had one-year kind of contracts so they would have flexibility going into this offseason. Who is out there right now that you think is gettable based on the dollars that the Lakers have?
2: Well, and before I list off a couple guys that are available, you were talking about Anthony Davis's shooting but remember, Clay. He's not Giannis. He does have a shot,
1: right? But he's not going to stand outside at the three-point line. No, he's not. But I way. saw
2: I saw an interesting stat off of catch and shoot threes. He shoots thirty-eight percent. Okay, from the three-point lines
1: of all the pe- you're not going to pay a, a guy max contract to get out of the way and allow LeBron James to develop inside and then kick out to him. Right. right? I, I agree I with think, that. I'm, I'm just saying he's guys- got
2: an overall good game i mean right he's not just a in the lane dude like Giannis. all
1: right but who is the best big guy that lebron james has ever played with in his entire career k love yeah and he's clearly not i mean the criticism that he got all the time was he's a big man who played like a shooting guard right yeah. I mean, that was the, yeah. not to say that kevin love couldn't go inside and i guess you could say chris bosh uh it was not like chris bosh was a great uh you know outside shooter but chris bosh is nowhere near a similar player. Yeah uh to anthony davis yeah so no, that's they're gonna only... yeah
2: they're gonna need to get some three-point specialists i would love to see jj reddick in a lakers uniform i've always wanted him to play for the lakers he was a longtime clipper of course trevor ariza who won a championship before the lakers he would be a good signing and danny green i think would be a good signing for the lakers
1: all right so back to you dub do you think the lakers should be the favorite to win the nba title next year
3: I don't, but I do think they should be in the top four conversation. Uh, and as far as the free agents, Danny Green's a good one. J.J. Redick is another unrestricted free agent that's available this summer. So, I mean, there's guys out there that can get the get the ball in the hole from outside.
1: What I would say here is, strategically, if you are an NBA, uh, NBA team, you've got the opportunity now with these free agents that are out there to try and drive up the price for the Lakers, because the Lakers don't have that much money. Right, So you want to drive up the price so much that maybe if you're competing for a shooter yourself, you end up getting one of these guys, but you keep the Lakers from getting multiple of these guys, particularly if you're a Western Conference team. That's what I'd be thinking about right now from a game theory perspective. It's not only what uh, the Lakers are able to sign, but what price they get guys at, and they don't have that much flexibility, and they got to sign a lot of guys. How many guys are right now on this Laker team? What do they have? They, they got at least four spots, Five. whatever the math is, to fill up yeah. right now. So you're going to have to get a lot of guys. And a lot of those guys aren't going to cost that much. Uh, but if you're going to try to get guys that other people want, that could turn into a competitive business. What about you, Eddie Garcia? Should the Lakers be favored?
4: No, I, I don't think so. But yeah. uh, there's certainly – look, the overall opinion
1: here, I think, is – Finally something positive after months and months of just joke after joke uh, after well, embarrassment and, and, and Magic Johnson by the way congratulating Genie yes. Bus on the trade and, and refusing to acknowledge. Yeah. He didn't did he didn't mention Rob Polinka? He I did, he later, did yeah, yeah. later yeah he
2: later he did. after his Genie tweet he then tweeted a congratulations oh, to Polinka.
1: Okay so yeah. after everybody was ripping him for giving Genie Bus credit for the trade <laughs> he came back over the top with another one. Okay I hadn't seen that. Uh, all right I, fortunately I haven't yet stooped to the level of following magic johnson and his insanely uh
2: all his creative uh, original the tweets.
1: most the most <laughs> the most boilerplate like expected uh, whatever the most uh co- consensus opinion is magic johnson is going to uh, to tweet it out so uh, danny uh, so eddie garcia so you are saying you, i'm with you actually i don't think the lakers should be favored right here and there's still a lot of movement and everything else that can happen but i'm just not sold on the anthony davis and lebron james pairing in particular with everybody else that they're going to be able to surround them with. And also with, again, LeBron has never had a significant injury. When you watch what happened to Kevin Durant, you watch what happened to Klay Thompson, and you think about the groin issue that he had last year and the fact that he's going to be 35, I still believe that you got to be concerned if you're the Lakers that you could have a Kobe Bryant-type situation when you just look at all the mileage that LeBron has put on his body over the years. At some point, it's remarkable that he's never had a really significant injury. At some point, particularly when you get on the back a uh, couple of uh, years of your career, I think it'll end up happening for LeBron, too. But let's circle back around. So, Eddie Garcia, you don't think they should be favored? No, I don't. I think it's a great positive step. And again, it's something for them to finally be positive about. But
2: n- let's not get too far ahead of ourselves.
1: Uh, all right. What about you, Roberto? Uh,
2: I don't think they should be favored, but I think they should be in the, they should be in the top five and Another shooter they can get this, uh, offseason is Chris Middleton. Another thing interesting about the trade is, is, some say the Lakers gave up too much. These haters are saying that are the same ones that said that the Lakers Young Core was a bunch of garbage. So which is it are the Lakers was the Lakers Young Core a bunch of garbage or did they give up too much?
1: Well, I think the three draft picks are what a lot of people would point to and say that's we'll see what value the Pelicans can end up getting out of those three draft picks. And we don't even know right now because it's kind of uh, to be determined where exactly those draft picks will go. I think if the Lakers roll the dice and they're as good as they anticipate, then those draft picks will not be that high of picks, right? You might yeah. end up with 27, 28s on those draft picks. And by and large, historically, you don't get great players in the NBA late in the first round. Not to say you can't get one. Not to say you can't end up get finding a diamond in the rough, finding a guy that pans out in a big way. But usually, you have to have a lottery pick to end up with a really good player in the first round in the NBA. And even then there's a decent chance that the players are just okay and don't pan out as being great. So I think if you're criticizing things, that's probably where, yeah. you, where you go. And then a-
2: Another thing is that people were saying, oh, the Lakers could have just waited until next season and Anthony Davis said he's going to sign with the Lakers anyways. But we've seen in the past where they said, oh, Kevin Loves end up being a Laker, and that never happened. Paul George going to be a Laker. That never happened. You know, he could have gotten traded to the Celtics and been happy there. Had a good situation there. And then next thing you know, he ends up staying with the Celtics. I think the Lakers had to act now.
1: My criticism on Anthony Davis and his representation by Rich Paul is that he's doing something LeBron has never done. That is, make the team that he's being traded to give up assets to get him. You notice what LeBron James did when he joined the Lakers. He went as an unrestricted free agent. You notice what LeBron James did when he went to go join the uh, the Miami Heat. He went as an unrestricted free agent. You know what LeBron James did when he went to Cleveland. He went as an unrestricted free agent. LeBron James basically never has required the team that's bringing him in to trade and give up all their assets in order for him to join there. Anthony Davis could have waited a year. Could have played with a good young core down in New Orleans. Could have waited. Could have potentially waited until the trade deadline this year and been able to go to a team that's definitely contending for a championship if he wanted to be traded. Instead, he went to a team and made them give up a lot of good young assets in order for him to go there. I understand if he was an older player why it might make sense, but he's a younger guy, and I just don't see the long-range future of the Lakers. Yes, they might be good enough to contend in the next couple of years, but then LeBron's gone And how are you going to build this team back up around Anthony Davis, given the fact that you're giving away all these draft picks? That's where I think Rich Paul did a poor job of managing both LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because it makes sense for LeBron James, for Anthony Davis to come to the Lakers based on LeBron James's age. He doesn't have that many more years to contend for a title for Anthony Davis. I don't think it makes sense at all. And it appears that the Pelicans were able to extract a substantial offer particularly given the fact that the Celtics were not willing to give up Jason Tatum in order to get Anthony Davis as a potential rental in Boston. And given that scenario, it doesn't seem like there were that many suitors at a high level for Anthony Davis. Uh, So we will see what ends up happening.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at HIMS slash two pros. That's H slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex choose
1: Clay Travis here, Monday edition. Father's Day weekend just happened on Sunday. And one of the wild things that happened over the course of the weekend was O.J. Simpson decided that near the 25th anniversary of the double murder of Nicole Simpson, his ex-wife, and Ronald Goldman, he should go ahead and join Twitter so he could tell his side of several different stories. What side of stories did he have to share? Well, he did like three different clips over the weekend and the first one included the announcement that he was joining twitter and it sounded a little bit something like this
5: hey twitter world this is yours truly now coming soon to twitter you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything now there's a lot of fake oj accounts out there so this one at the real oj 32 is the only official one so this should be a lot of fun i got a little getting even to do so god bless take care
1: OJ Simpson says he has a little getting even to do and you're like oh my god what I guess he's still uh, he's given up the quest to uh, to find the true killers and he is now going to get on to Twitter the responses to this were out of this world if you just read the mentions uh, in response to OJ Simpson I genuinely wonder if he's reading (laughs) the mentions or who is posting these videos for him and everything else but so he put that's the introductory video he put up on Saturday and then on Sunday Father's Day he decides it's important for him to address the question of whether he had any relationship with Chris Jenner and whether or not he is Khloe Kardashian's dad on Father's Day I swear to God this is what OJ Simpson puts up here it is
5: Bob Kardashian, he's like a brother to me. He's a great guy. He met and married uh, Chris, and they really had a terrific time together when they were together. Uh, unfortunately, that ended. But never, and I want to stress, never in any way, shape, or form had I ever had any interest in Chris romantically or sexually. And I never got any indication that she had any interest in me. So all of these stories are just bogus bad. You know, tasteless. Um, Chloe, uh, like all the girls, I'm very proud of, just like I know Bob would be uh, if he was here. But the simple facts of the matter is uh, she's not mine. Now, one of the people who spread in this rumor is a guy that the media loves to say is my manager.
1: O.J. J. Simpson years, making the decision to go on Father's Day and say, I'm not Chloe Kardashian's dad. is. And, and if you're not familiar out there, there had been the rumor... If you look at the Kardashian sisters, and I know far too much about the Kardashian sisters, Kim and Courtney don't really look anything like Khloe. Khloe looks uh, like a linebacker compared to them. She's big, she's strong, she's like physically dominant. And then Kim and Courtney are both very petite. And so the rumor had been you know who the real father of Khloe Kardashian is? It's OJ Simpson. So OJ decides on Father's Day, 25 years after he commits a double murder, it's time for him to start clearing up some misconceptions out there. And he puts out a video saying he's not actually Khloe Kardashian's dad. So I, I, I am in disbelief. I mean, I, I sometimes I see Twitter and I think to myself, I can't believe that this website is free because of what is said on there. Whether it's the President of the United States uh, or whether it's OJ Simpson now, whoever it is, people get on Twitter and say, and maybe it's me, maybe you guys are like, I can't believe the stuff that Clay Travis says on Twitter. Uh, people get on Twitter and immediately uh, say all sorts of craziness. But OJ Simpson now doing videos and the first misconception that he wants to clear up on Father's Day is uh, his potential relationship with Chris Jenner and the fact that he's not actually Khloe Kardashian's dad. Did you guys read the comments to OJ's uh, OJ's tweets, Danny G? Did you read some of these? <laughs> yes. I
2: this, mean this this account's gonna be killer. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm glad OJ's taking a stab at this Twitter thing. The comments are the best part of all of this.
1: Oh, a lot of dad jokes in the comments, uh, yeah. and I I just I I can't imagine what OJ's end game is here. But can we put in an official request? Has OJ ever done Sports Talk Radio?
2: Um. You know he has, but on his own terms. In other words, he wouldn't answer the questions that the host was asking, so people stopped requesting him.
1: Well, I mean, can we request him? Yeah. I mean, who would we request? If, I mean, you put in a request and see if we can get O.J. If O.J.'s now... I'll just, just go
2: through his manager.
1: All right, put in a request and see if O.J. wants to come on with us, uh, and uh, and we'll talk to O.J. I mean, I, in all honesty, like this, I, I think it's crazy that he has joined social media but uh, it's now been 25 years since the the murder case, and I I mean again the fact that he would join and say he wants to clear up some things and uh, and 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 you know basically tell his side of the story, and then his side of the story is I'm not Khloe Kardashian's dad is uh, again evidence of why this thing should be uh, you should have to pay to join Twitter in some way. All right, uh, when we come back, roadmap for the next two hours. Chris Mannix is going to join us from Sports Illustrated and we will break down everything surrounding the Anthony Davis trade at the start of, uh, sorry, in the second segment of Hour 2. We are also going to be joined by Alex Marvez in Hour 3 and uh, we'll dive into everything that has to go on in the NFL, including the latest flare-up with the Cleveland Browns where Baker Mayfield may have, may have stepped into it by continuing to comment on everything baker mayfield by the way who has blocked me on twitter i don't know if that's like friendly fire and i'm just getting wiped out because i work at fox sports radio but i can't even see what baker mayfield's tweeting from one day to the next because for some reason he's decided to block me out when we come back to start off hour two though big win for gary woodland in the u.s open and the u.s women advance to the round of 16 even though they still have one game left We will dive into both those stories, and I'll talk a little bit more about my trip to the College World Series in Omaha and the experience there with that going on for the next couple of weeks. Really, really cool event, and it was awesome to be able to check it out for the first time in person. They do a whale of a job putting on that event in Omaha.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: We're joined now by Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix uh, to break down the latest on the Anthony Davis trade. And let's bring in Chris. Chris, um, were you surprised about the price that the Lakers paid? What do you think of this from a breakdown factor?
7: Well, I, I, no, I wasn't surprised by the price they paid because – on the initial reporting, it looked like you know three first-round draft picks is high, but not exceedingly high. But then, in as you learn more, the swap rights are what really get you. And this is what the the Brooklyn Nets had to deal with for years. In the aftermath of that deal with the Celtics, those swap rights are just a killer. And when you're looking at what is it, 2023 and 2025 the ability to swap picks i mean that could be substantial for the pelicans they try to turn the corner on on that franchise so oh, look if i'm the lakers i still would have done it because you know you have to you're on lebron's timeline now and you have to roll the dice on a deal like this but the pelicans can walk away from this deal thinking that they maximize the value for Anthony Davis
1: speak about the swaps again in 2023 and 2025 the two late round picks ideally anytime you're having this situation you want your pick to be as low as it possibly can but theory by that point LeBron James's career is over right probably and so the Pelicans uh would be rooting for the Lakers to be awful then so they could take advantage of those bad picks
7: Exactly. And look, it's its not a sure thing. Um, you know, when the Nets made the Celtics trade, they were aware that the the 2016 pick or the, the later picks and the swaps could be problematic uh, for them because of the age of the players. They just didn't anticipate that thing going south as quickly as it did in Brooklyn. The Lakers, th- their optimism is that even if LeBron is gone by that point, and, and who knows? I mean, he could be one of those guys that plays until he's 40. But even if LeBron is gone at that point, Davis is still going to be at the back end of his prime years. And if you have Anthony Davis there, you're going to be able to recruit you know, another player to play alongside him. So their hope is that they're able to, to build that team out around Anthony Davis so they avoid that cliff that that befell the Brooklyn Nets.
1: All right, so let's get into the the nitty-gritty here of this trade because this is where I'm kind of fascinated by the detail work, and I know it's, it's still a little bit to be determined. But initially when this trade came out, the first thought is, okay, the Lakers would have enough money left to be able to go get another max contract player and pair with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. It now appears that's not the case based on when this trade is taking place and how the money will work out. I know it's in the weeds, but I feel like this is a pretty important detail. How, to your understanding, do the dollars work out here?
7: Well, what it boils down to is that if the Lakers can convince the Pelicans to hold off on executing this trade until July 30th, they'll be at around $32 million in cap space, which is roughly max level uh, for, for a new contract. If they don't, that number drops down to about 27. If, if the Pelicans insist on executing this deal on July 6th, the first day they can execute it, it drops down to 27. And and for the life of me, I I don't know what the Pelicans' motivation would be to help the Lakers out even further. As we said, they're trying to – they're now in the business of the Lakers losing. Now that they've made this deal, they want the Lakers to struggle as as early and as often as possible. So I, I would expect David Griffin and the Pelicans to insist this deal gets done on July sixth. So without any other maneuverings, the Lakers were only at about twenty seven million in calf space. But you know what? I, I don't think max calf space should matter. I think if you're the Lakers, you now have a prime Anthony Davis and LeBron James who is still an offensive force. Your combination, especially with the Warriors crumbling, your combination of Davis and LeBron is going to be right up there with any two-some in the NBA. Going to get another star I don't think is the best course of action. I think filling out the roster with the likes of, say, J.J. Redick or Malcolm Brogdon or any of the other second- or third-tier free agents that make sense around your players, that's the best way to go. They went south last year, Clay, because they didn't get enough shooting around LeBron James. They have to go out this summer and find shooting to complement LeBron and Anthony Davis. They've got one guy in Kyle Kuzma that they were able to keep – that fits that mold, they define two or three more. All
1: right, uh, let's leave behind the Lakers for a minute and go into free agency, which officially is going to start in what, like 15 days almost exactly from now, a little over two weeks. Um, When you look at the free agent marketplace, what are you hearing Who's actually in play? Do you think Durant and Clay now stay with the Warriors? Do they sign max deals? Does Durant opt in for one year? Does he still potentially leave and sit out? Where are we looking there? What are you hearing about Kyrie? What other free agency, Kawhi? What is the expectation on your end as we move closer to this?
7: Well, I think, you know, Michael Thompson, the father of Clay Thompson, came out and said that Clay's definitely going to be with the Warriors. And and the perception's always been as long as Golden State didn't nickel and dime, dime Clay Thompson, he was going to stay there. Now the injury throws a bit of a wrench into it, but man, it would be a bad look for Warriors ownership if you know this guy that has been part of three championships and five finals runs. If they'd nickel and dimed him after this injury, so I think Clay is there. I mean, I, I don't know if this changes the calculus on Durant all that much. Um, you know, the, the the sense I always got was that he's going to New York. And, and that was that, that still remains the case. The Knicks, uh, I've been told, are not going to hesitate to give Durant a four-year offer. They're willing to pay four years to get three years of Kevin Durant. So I think that same offer is still going to be on the table. So I think Durant is still likely to wind up in New York with the Knicks. And Irving, I, I really think there's some clarity with Irving as well. I mean, I, I don't know for sure if it's the Nets. But I think for sure, it's going to be one of those two New York teams. I think at this point, it would take a miracle for Kyrie Irving to be back in Boston. I just don't see that happening. I think the Celtics are going to lose him in the offseason.
1: Um, what do you think the uh, the Lakers, who do you think the Lakers were competing with to get Anthony Davis? You just mentioned the Celtics, so I want to go to there. Reports are yeah. that, that they the Celtics were not willing to include Jason Tatum in any deal. Uh, in your mind, who were the Lakers bidding against? Did you hear of anybody else making an aggressive run uh, that the Lakers had to outbid?
7: No, because this was done um, before the draft because the Pelicans obviously wanted either that fourth overall pick or the rights to trade that fourth overall pick. So there was kind of an accelerated timetable, and there really wasn't enough time for another team or teams to really think about Anthony Davis. As a rental, and say what you want about Rich Paul, but he did a pretty good job of publicly scaring off everybody that that might have been interested in taking Davis on, with the belief that they could convince him uh, to stay. Now, uh, my understanding of Boston when it comes to Jason Tatum is that even though these didn't get down to specific deals, I, I think they would have included Tatum if it was just Tatum and like nothing else. I, I think they would they would have been willing to do a Tatum. And nothing else deal, or a Jalen Brown centric plus draft picks plus the whole you know uh, the whole boatload of stuff that they're willing to offer. The bottom line, though, is it just never got that far with them. They, they couldn't roll the dice with all their young pieces without having any idea of what Kyrie Irving was going to do. If they had to- gotten from Kyrie Irving an indication that he would stay long term if they got Anthony Davis, they would have dumped everything in. And they would have gotten him too, because, you know, people are sick of hearing me and others say it, but if the Celtics want somebody, they can still get somebody because of how many pieces they have in their war chest. But it just didn't materialize with Kyrie. Kyrie seems very focused on leaving Boston. He seemed whatever happened this past year, Clay, has soured Kyrie on the Celtics, on the organization, on leaving that city and and the Celtics couldn't roll the dice on A D.
1: We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix, what happens with Kawhi?
7: You know, I, I still think the Clippers are the leader here, and and this is some interesting comments coming out of, of the Raptors in the aftermath. I mean, I think Fred Van VanVleet said some of the lines of if he goes, you know, we'll just have to kick his ass next year. Or and I, I think there's there's a lot of uncertainty within the Raptors organization about what Kawhi's going to do. Now, he, he's he's one of those guys that. You just can't fully read. And and Kawhi could wake up on July 1st and say, you know, I I think I'm going to do a short-term deal with the Toronto Raptors. But I think the more likely scenario remains that Kawhi goes to L.A. and signs a long-term deal with the Clippers. That's been part of the plan all along. And nothing Kawhi has said in the aftermath of winning that championship has given you any indication that 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 course has changed.
1: So... The Lakers became the favorite to win the NBA title. That's obviously in conjunction with the Durant and the Klay Thompson injuries. Should the Lakers be favored? No.
7: I mean, right now it's it's three players, and we have to see what Rob Palenka does next. I mean, what we saw with the Raptors is a prime example of how you build a championship team. You get your star in Kawhi Leonard, you have your second star in Kyle Lowry, and then your roster needs to be filled out with smart, low-level moves. You have to draft Pascal Siakam with the 27th overall pick. You have to you have to take Fred Van Vliet off the free agent scrap heap after he goes undrafted and plug him into that hole. You have to make a savvy deal involving a Marc Gasol. There are just too many steps that the Lakers have to make for me to believe that they're ready to be a championship team next season. Right now, I look at the Houston Rockets. I mean, the Rockets were so bitterly disappointed in the way last season ended. They were at the point where they were looking to move on from Mike D'Antoni, even shaking up the roster. But if you're the Rockets now and you see the Warriors as a non-factor in the playoffs next year, you got to look at yourself. We've only been beaten by Golden State. We've still got you know two top 10 players, top 15 players in Harden and Chris Paul. We've got a group that has great chemistry playing together. we got to keep this group together and see if we can make another run. I think Houston, assuming that Toronto breaks up, Uh, has to be considered a a co-favorite to win the whole thing. That's why the Rockets have to be happy that they didn't do anything uh, too abruptly at the end of the season.
1: Do you hear any talk at all that Durant and Klay Thompson could come back to the Warriors and that both of them could be driven to try and get healthy to be back by the end of the season and be ready for the playoffs next year—that that could be no. something to them. Do you hear any talk of that at all?
7: No, I, I think I think Clay will be back before the end of the season because history shows those ACL injuries—you uh, know—you can get into March and, and put him back on the floor. So I, I would think he could play before the end of the year. But there's—I—I'd I, be shocked if Kevin Durant plays next season. I mean, that's that's a nine to twelve month type of injury, and if he's just getting back into shape, you know. By April, there's no way you put him out there on the floor. That's why I think, in a way, New York is the best type of situation for him. If he goes to New York and nobody goes with him, they're going to be terrible again next year. Which is amazing given what they've gone through uh, over the last couple of decades, not much less the last few years. But it, there's no pressure to come back in New York. There's no pressure to come back in Golden State either because of what he did and what he tried to play through at the end of last year but i just don't see with an achilles injury uh you know durant coming back to play at all
1: do you think steph clay and draymond ever play together on the warriors in the finals again
7: in the finals uh, i'm skeptical only because i think one of the biggest decisions i think golden state has to make this summer will be what to do with draymond because if you're effectively pumping on next year and saying we're not a championship-level team, we might not even be a second-round playoff team, then you have to evaluate what you do with Draymond coming up for an extension or a new contract in 2020. Draymond Green is the lifeblood of that team, and he is a, a still an elite defensive player. But he's, I think, going to be 30 when that new contract starts, and he's been kind of a depreciating asset over the last few years. He is a great defender but he's not really the defender what he was a couple of years ago. He is uh, still a a good playmaking offensive player who can give you triple doubles, but his shooting has declined, and that generally is not something that gets better as a player gets older. So I'd be reluctant to give Draymond a max level contract when his contract comes up. And if you're not going to do that, you have to at least explore the possibility of moving him and see if you can get pieces back in return that fit around Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in the long term. Those are are going to be the two core guys, presumably, that you build around. I think next, this summer, you have to start thinking about finding the pieces that work next to them.
1: Outstanding stuff, as always. Go follow Chris at si Chris Mannix on Twitter. Read him at SI. Listen to him all over the place. Appreciate it, my man.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Let's bring in Alex Marvez at Alex Marvez on Twitter. And I understand you have uh, some thoughts on Tyreek Hill or some updates potentially in that situation, Alex?
4: Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because, Clay, you know, obviously such a brouhaha in the media when, you know, news came out about Tyreek Hill being suspended and, and the thought that, uh, you know, he had potentially broken his son's arm as part of a disciplinary action against him. Well, WHB in Kansas City, they're reporting that that no, neither Tyreek Hill nor uh, the child's mother, Cristal Espinal, broke the child's arm. Uh, this was essentially just an accident that that happens. And look, they're kids. I get it. Now, that being said, there's still disciplinary issues about the way that Tyree Kill disciplined his son. And, you know, that included spankings and things like that. That's another story for another day. Right. But in this case, and Andy Reid admitted that he screwed up by saying the police had, had restarted an investigation when they didn't restart an investigation. There was nothing really new going on with all of this. So essentially, you know, bad information comes out. The Kansas City star had had talked about this, and they never went back and corrected their reporting so a uh, uh, sort of a, a- an image has been put out there on Tyreek Hill and play again. I'm not justifying the way that the man is dealing with his child or his fiance or anything like that, but I think it's important since we have discussed this story so frequently on, on my visits here, you know, on our kick to Coverage, that we mention this with Tyreek Hill, and, and then now what this means is essentially, I would imagine a de facto NFL suspension, maybe a couple of games, and then he'll be back with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's one of the reasons the Chiefs didn't cut ties with Tyreek Hill, because he is one heck of a football player, and this does appear to be a a, nav- a navigable situation for them. So, I, I, you know, listen, ultimately, I would imagine that sooner than later, we're going to hear word from the NFL as to any discipline against Tyreek Hill. But I just wanted to mention this to our listeners, because we have discussed a situation, you know, about his son and explain no, his, his son did not suffer a broken arm, according to the investigators at the hands of Tyreek Hill or his fiance. This is according to a report, though. This is um, according to W. HB, And apparently it has been followed up by multiple media reports. And I can read you the quote here uh, from the investigation. Um, the investigation into the couple's parenting accelerated when Overland Park police checked on the boy in March and found welts and bruises on his body. Both Hill and Espinal have admitted to investigators that they spanked the three-year-old with their hands and a belt. But prosecutors can't determine for sure which parent or if both went too far. In April, John, in April, Johnson County District Attorney Steve Howe held a press conference to announce criminal charges wouldn't be brought against Hill or Espinal, but he stated he believed the crime was committed against the boy, and it was believed the crime was about the broken arm. It was not. Howe's team has halted working on the case as they still can't bring charges for bruising and harming the boy." End quote.
1: So I guess what I'm saying is, what, where are they? where's their source coming from? Because there's been so much inaccurate reporting surrounding this story that they are said that's not a direct quote from somebody that's another report that may or may not be
4: true well i play i don't know what to tell you about about all of this because again i don't know what pol- police have done a, a piss poor job obviously in trying to explain what's going on with tyree kill here,
1: yeah because the, right? the, the da what i remember the da saying was that he believed a crime was committed But he wasn't sure who committed the crime, so they couldn't bring any charges. And then what happened, for everybody out there who's been trying to follow this case, and then what happened, so far as I remember, was a report, which I think was confirmed by Andy Reid, and now we're saying that Andy Reid misspoke, but a report that they had reopened the investigation after the audio came out that had been secretly recorded by the fiancé basically discussing what exactly happened with the son and and it sounded bad for Tyreek Hill but it was an audio clip and you didn't really know everything about that but the expectation had been that that reopened the investigation and now this report is saying the kid's broken arm wasn't the crime like it doesn't really I guess what what I'm saying is is that that the reporting doesn't tie together to me
4: this okay well 810whb and it's on their website h10whb.com says that in, that according to multiple sources close to the investigation investigators quickly agreed with the medical staff that the broken bone was the result of tip, of a typical accident involving a rambunctious toddler consistent with reaching out to brace for a fall right so, so comes, what's
1: the what's the
4: crime it would be child abuse in terms of the uh, you know the way that they were disciplining. The and child. they're just not I, sure I, I, who, what who was abusing right. the child, basically. Right. And listen, and essentially, and if that is, and you get into that argument as well as far as like what is discipline, right? But when you talk about welts and things like this, yeah, I mean, in fact, that they took the child away from from Tyree Kill and his, his fiance will tell you that they thought that things were excessive, but they're not going to be able to bring charges on this. What I mean, did Adrian what Peterson? Like, what did Adrian Peterson get? Six games. Uh, Adrian Peterson, well, and, and you think about it as well, because of the timing of it, I mean, he essentially missed a season because he was frozen, remember? Yes. On the uh, commissioner's secret exempt uh, double probation list. Yeah, right. So, Right. So they stashed him away, and then came the criminal proceedings where they actually had enough information with a child who was old enough at five years old to speak about what had happened. Yep. as opposed to what happened here with a three-year-old that you just can't can't go. In well,
1: we rest. still don't even know what the rules seem to be because somehow Kareem Hunt got eight games, right? right. Even though you're supposed, and and also he was on the commissioner's non whatever that thing is. Like, so he missed yeah. the rest of the season, and now he's supposed to serve an eight-game suspension. So he's ultimately going to end up missing like fourteen games or something, right?
4: Yeah, about eighteen or so. Yeah, you're yeah. right, and the paychecks and the paychecks that come with it, and that's part of the problem with the NFL's personal conduct policy is that nobody really knows what is what constitutes this, you know, a punishment for these sorts of things. I mean, you know, we have Zeke Elliott and his situation, never charged, never brought to to court, anything like that. Um, but the NFL determined that he had abused an ex girlfriend, thus a six game suspension by talking to her and looking at photos. I, I mean. Why not eight games? Why not four games? We don't know. You know, this is part of the league and the mysterious ways in in which they work. So that's why with Tyree Kill, we just don't know where this goes. And we can't cite past precedent because, Clay, it's clear the NFL doesn't use past precedent, it seems, when deciding these sorts of things, Uh, i.e. Kareem Hunt and the eight-game suspension.
1: Here's what I will say. I will be stunned if he doesn't miss at least six games. Because I think the last thing that Roger Goodell is going to do is underpunish, given how much attention this story got. Sure. So. Six
4: games sounds, game sounds about right. I, I agree with you. And I, and I think with the attention that the story's gotten, you have to have some sort of strong stance. And under the personal conduct policy, I mean, he can give him six games. Yeah, And, you know, and, and he'll listen, he'll can appeal and maybe the arbitrator, you know, has sympathy upon him and says, listen, you weren't charged with anything. You're only doing four games. But let's be honest here. It's probably going to be six games and the Kansas City Chiefs need to plan accordingly. And they have decisions to make as well. Clay, the, and the then the next step, the, yep.
1: the next step is yep. going to be what is the reaction to Tyreek Hill being signed to a big deal contract because a lot of people are going to say it's not for Tyreek Hill. It's not this one allegation standing alone. It's the fact that this same woman was choked and beaten when she was pregnant with the same kid so you don't get the benefit of the doubt in some way where others might receive the benefit of the doubt uh given his past history and the fact that he was kicked out of oklahoma state and uh and everything surrounding him uh this this also factors
4: the threats the audio threat of him threatening the the woman that he beat up in college and struck yeah, that's pretty damning. And the fact that there's been a child who's been abused, I mean, that's, that's you know, we, we agree with that part, right? I mean, that essentially, you know, the, the welts and things like that from disciplining your child. I mean, are there potential anger management issues with Tyreek Hill? I mean, yes, it does appear that way. Is he doing anything right now? And this we don't know. Is he undergoing counseling? Is he doing the sorts of things to try to, to, to get these things straightened out in his life so it never happens again? You know, I'm not. And again, that doesn't give him a free pass, but it makes it a lot more palpable for the Kansas City Chiefs to bring him back. And the other thing, too, local outrage, fan outrage, sponsorship outrage. Are we going to get any of that in Kansas City or is because Tyree kill such a really good football player that, yeah, he's a dirtbag, but he's our dirtbag and he helps us win games?
1: I think it's the latter. I mean, I, I think fans have shown themselves to be totally amoral when it comes to local teams winning games they will defend anything their local team does uh and uh, i think that uh, that they'll defend tyreek hill particularly because i think there are a lot of people out there who are kansas city chiefs fans that feel like we gave away kareem hunt basically hey, right. for nothing right i mean in the grand scheme of things it didn't seem to me like i could be wrong but when john dorsey and the cleveland browns pick up kareem hunt it didn't seem like there was that much outrage, and I think that's because people watched the video and they said, look, I'm not saying I want to uh, necessarily believe this guy is a paragon of virtue and he should be held up as a role model for my kids, but that video that came out of Kareem Hunt and the way he behaved in the hotel and the kicking and the shoving and, and things like that, I think most people said, you know what, I'm not. this guy deserves to be able to play football. He's not perfect. He's obviously made a mistake here. But it's not egregious in the same way that the Ray Rice knocking out his fiancé video was. And frankly, it's not egregious in the same way. If Ty, if there had been video of Tyreek Hill choking and punching his pregnant girlfriend back when he was in college, I doubt that he ever would have gotten drafted into the NFL. Now, maybe I'm wrong because there's certainly video of Joe Mixon knocking out that girl in the Oklahoma uh, when he was at Oklahoma And he still got drafted in the second round by the Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a team would have still drafted Tyreek Hill if he choked and punched his pregnant girlfriend and that was on video. But I tend to think that most of the time video changes things if it's an egregious wrong in video. And uh, as long as Tyreek Hill is just on audio, he's probably going to get to come back maybe with a six or eight game suspension.
4: Yep. And the other thing is too, Clay, and this is where the Kansas City Chiefs have to make some decisions because bringing someone like this back in your locker room I mean, if this is one of your teammates, it's a little uncomfortable, right? I mean, knowing that you're lining up next to a guy who has, you know, essentially you know, disciplined their kids so far that they have to be taken away by protective services and by someone who's threatened, you know, their fiancé and been caught on audio doing just that. I mean, as an organization, do you put your other Kansas City Chiefs players through the same thing? Because, you know, even if they may be at least accepting of this, A lot of them have girlfriends, a lot of them have wives, a lot of them have families themselves. And do they want to be associated with someone like this, who, again, is a fantastic football player, but there is a human element that's involved in this. And this is when the Chiefs take a big picture step back, right? I mean, that's something they have to ask themselves as an organization. And they may say, we're committed to Tyreek Hill as a human being right? Where, where, okay, we're going to help see him through this, and we're going to try to make sure at the end of the day, when Tyreek Hill no longer plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, that he's a better human being. You know what happened essentially, and, and to a different extent, but with Michael Vick, right, and the Philadelphia Eagles? And you remember how the NFL and everyone got involved in Michael Vick and trying to say that we're going to successfully rehabilitate Michael Vick's image after he killed all those dogs, and they did right? And now Michael Vick is a prominent broadcaster at Fox and has generally gained mainstream acceptance. I mean, people know that he did some terrible things in his past, but it worked. Can the Kansas City Chiefs orchestrate this type of you know, statement as well and make this type of initiative? Just something to look out for here, Clay, because there's so many different levels to all of this with Tyreek Hill. But in the long run, I totally agree with you. Probably a six-game suspension, and I'll probably be back on the field for the Chiefs once again.
1: Matt, from a Machiavellian perspective, the impact is going to be that the Chiefs are going to sign him to a longer-term contract for huh. a lot less money. Yeah. Right, I mean, he, may right. Have been in, he may have been entitled to 100000000 million. Let's just say he was entitled to $100 million on the open market. He might be worth $50 million on the open market now. And as a result, the Chiefs are going to benefit because they're going to be able to spend money on other guys and not have to spend as much money on Tyreek Hill as he might otherwise have been entitled to. Because I think, in addition to the Chiefs, I think that there's a bunch of teams that would take him off their board. They would just say, you know what, it's one thing if the Chiefs keep him because he's already in Kansas City, they already have a relationship with him, but I, meaning I as an owner, cannot justify bringing this guy into my community, given his background. It's going to be a backlash if we pay him 75 or $80 million guaranteed, whereas I think the Chiefs are more likely to be able to do it uh, than other teams, but they'll be able to do it for a lot less money. All right, speaking of uh, money... Baker Mayfield decided to weigh in on Duke Johnson, I believe it was, saying that he was underpaid and he wanted to get a better gig and everything else. And this seems that there was a little bit of a flare-up. Now, to me, this is evidence of Baker Mayfield just making himself too much of a story, right? Uh, he is going to be a focal point of the NFL coverage no matter what. He doesn't need to work to interject himself into stories. And uh, this seems to have blown up a little bit on him.
4: Oh, it has. Although I'll tell you this, I think Chiefs management loves it. And I think there are probably some players who love it. Yeah. You know, just like when you got 88 other guys or 89 other guys, it be 88, actually, with, not counting Duke Johnson, and not counting Baker Mayfield, you're going to ask 88 guys. And, of course, maybe 50 of them are relevant to the conversation because they're the ones that will make the final roster. You're going to ask them, and you're going to get a wide swath of opinions. You're going to get some folks who say, you never cross that line of getting involved in another player's contract situation. And that's what Baker Mayfield did. The, the stock answer is to just say, hey, listen, we love Duke can be in here and we hope it works out. We hope he's a member of the Browns and we hope he's got his contract situation resolved. But that's above my pay grade, right? I mean, that's essentially how most people would answer that. Well, Baker Mayfield gave an honest answer, which is if you're not here to help this team and you don't want to be here, well, okay, see you later. Right now, it's not that easy for Duke Johnson because he cannot get his release. He's asked for it. Didn't happen. He's asked to get traded. Hasn't happened. And one can understand from the Browns standpoint why they're keeping him. Kareem Hunt isn't going to be back for eight games. And let's say Kareem has another misstep. There's no guarantees he doesn't. So at that point, you want to make sure you've got a good running back playing behind Nick Chubb. And maybe you haven't gotten a trade offer commensurate to what it would be worth for you to trade a running back making a meager $1.6 million under the salary cap who's a pretty good player. So, you know, Duke Johnson fires his shot across the bow that he doesn't want to be there. Baker Mayfield fires back at him. Uh, you know, these are the types of things that Baker's eventually going to learn in time. Unless you're willing to, to deal with all of the drama and headaches that come with saying something, that even, if you, even if you feel it, well, these things may flare up. And it's something that Freddie Kitchens as well needs to talk about, you know, in terms of the, the Browns head coach. He has leaned on players. Don't talk about Super Bowls. Don't talk about dynasties. We haven't even won a division. We haven't even had a winning record in 10 years, okay? But then you see Odell Beckham Jr., you know, g- you know, going against that and telling GQ that we're trying to build a Patriots-like dynasty and how he sees comparisons between Baker Mayfield, he's the next Brett Favre. I mean, you know, Freddie Kitchens has to establish himself as a head coach, and his words have to have some gravitas. So we'll see how this plays out in the future as others say things to the media that cause controversy. But honestly, playing in the big picture of things, I think this is one of those middle of June off-season stories that, gen- that-, that we talk about now now just like Tom Brady skipping OTAs last year and then it ends up in the long run like "Eh, this really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things
1: anything else quickly that's out there that fans should pay attention to this week coming up
4: It's quiet, man. It's off season right now, Clay, to be honest with you. Things are pretty quiet. I mean, we're just looking at some disciplinary issues. And, listen, teams also, you know, on the clock as far as uh, getting franchise players signed. And, by the way, the Houston Texans, nice GM search. Way to work. What a disaster.
1: Yeah, we could have dove into that as well. We'll talk to you next week. It's uh, Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter. Fox
0: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.